Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 55. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And this week we watched the 1976 movie All the President's Men. So, Charles, tell us about it. In All the President's Men, uh, the Watergate break-in happens, and two journalists at the Washington Post are tasked with investigating uh, what happened with the burglary. And so they, you know, poke at leads and make phone calls and uh, visit people, look at library records and all that. And eventually they uncover what had happened, and the story gets out, and the rest is history. Yep. So is Nick, was Nixon still president, or did he resign? He resigned. He resigned. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, what do you think about All the President's Men? Um, I don't think it was my kind of movie. Man. <laughs> I think we were like over That's five. I think, no, you liked Attack the Block, but that was the last I, one. I that want was like to like these ago. movies. I just, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I had a hard time getting into it for some reason. Jeez, okay. Maybe part of it was just because I was like really tired when I was watching it, and it's hard <laughs> to follow. Because like. There's a lot of stuff. It, it comes at you pretty rapid fire, right? And there's so many names mm-hmm. um, and, like, different events being being tracked. Like, you know, someone sent a check to someone and some people were associated with Florida and, like... There's a lot of phone calls um, just in a row. They were always exposing some tiny little chip in, like, the, the wall of denial that they were facing yeah. and, like... Um, I just felt like it was too much for me to keep up with at times, so I wasn't always sure where in the investigation they were or what part of it they were trying to investigate or, you know, who, what name was. Like, they would go back to these people because they had to implicate them in into the crime, right? And they kept going back to the same names, but I would lose track of who was who because there were so many of them and like they were just coming out rapid fire, so I like lose track of who they were talking to at the moment. Um, and that made it a little hard to like really get into the movie. Yeah, there, there's so many names in this movie. And they're all dude names. I was watching it with yeah. somebody and we also got confused, um, <laughs> particularly at the point at which they get reprimanded by their editors. We couldn't figure out why. Oh, because they didn't have enough. No, no, but but X. when they like a few times? they release like the the big kind of release the story oh, right like when before they really the climax of the film. Yeah, yeah, they get really reprimanded, but we we couldn't discern why yeah. that was. Okay. I, okay, my so speculation I, was that the so I think the character's name is Sloan, and yes. they've been meeting with this guy mm-hmm. for a few times, and then he speaks before a grand jury, and the information that he gave to the grand jury didn't line up with what they had in the article. And that came out publicly, and then the editors reprimanded them about that. It turned out they were still right. Yes. But well, there was some sort of mismatch of information. Yeah, you, That's what we could determine. Okay, you're very it, close it, yeah. in terms of what my understanding was. Okay. okay. So, yeah, Sloan was the guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, was, he told, or at least he communicated to them in so many words yeah. that Halderman was involved. And Halderman's, like, number two to the president. He's up there, right? He, so it, he... Insinuated to Woodward and Bernstein that Halderman was involved with the break-in and far more expansive, uh, well, essentially, essentially election rigging and propaganda and lies mm-hmm. within the Republican Party. What had actually happened was, and he, he implied to them that he said that at the grand jury, when he was called before the grand jury. What had actually happened was he was never asked about Halderman at the grand jury. If he had been asked, he would have testified that Halderman was involved, but he never did. So when they asked, so when the press asked him, did 
you testify before the grand jury that Halderman was involved in this, he truthfully said no, even though Halderman actually was involved, and he would have testified that Halderman is involved had he been asked. He just was never asked. The implication being that the grand jury was rigged to not ask that question. Yes, almost certainly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And there are other, because they, they confirmed that story, because that's like the big break, right? Like that's the climax of the movie, is that they can get Halderman, right? Yeah. The other one was that there's that scene where Dustin Hoffman is counting down on the phone, yeah. right? And the, what he told the guy on the phone who worked at the FBI, asking if the FBI had ever investigated Halderman or if they knew anything about Halderman, he said, okay, I'm going to count down from 10 if you if if Halloran was not involved or you hadn't been investigating him, hang up before I get to ten, right? And so he, he does the countdown. The guy doesn't hang up. He says, "Do you get it now?" And they end the conversation. What the guy Hoffman was talking to understood was, "Hang on, if he's not involved." Therefore, indicating that Halloran was not involved, so he shouldn't hang up. And they just like mixed up what the super weird code that they were using was. Yeah. So it, it, they ended up burning two of their confirmations out of the three that they had. And that's why the Bradley and the rest of the editors were so upset with them. And that's why they, the, yeah. they were getting reprimanded. That's, yeah, that's very, you got to follow a lot of details yes. to get all those things. <laughs> yeah, you got to. The guy Sloan they meet with like three times during the movie too. Yeah. And that, yeah. Yeah. And it's like, which, what piece yeah, of information. started to recognize a bit. Yeah. Wait, what piece of information are they finding important here? Like, how are they connecting it to everything else? Like, yeah. what, what exactly is, how are the pieces being together? Yeah, it's not clear. So yeah. uh, before we get too far down the road, you you chose this movie. I did. Wilson, uh, most likely because you saw the post recently. That is actually what I said at the end of the last yeah. episode. So yes, good guess. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I watched the post a couple weeks ago now, um, which is Spielberg's most recent movie about the, I guess it's a prequel to this essentially, um, about the leak of the, the Pentagon Papers. Which looks like it's set up to win an Oscar, although now it's not the favorite because it didn't win all the awards at SAG, which people use as like an indicator for Oscars. Yeah, what did win? Uh, um, uh, three billboards won again. That's terrible. <laughs> um, either if that movie wins any Oscars, goddammit. Either like way. Gonna, yeah, I know. Like, I've seen the trailer for The Post. I don't think it looks very good. I've, I've talked to other people that have seen it, and they say it's terrible and really boring. Oh, uh, no, I thought it was great. Okay. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Like I, it, to me, it's just like classic late career Spielberg. It feels a lot. It reminds me of Bridge of Spies in a lot of ways. I heard that like a third of the movie is dedicated to like IPO discussions. No, not, I mean not a third, but it is relevant to what's going on because it, it motivates the um, uh, Streep character. Yeah. Um, I think you can really tell that it was uh, a movie written by a woman, uh, which it was. Uh, the post was not all the presidents men. Um, it really it, it centers the Meryl Streep character. She's the one that's dynamic. She's the one that's making the important choices that move the movie forward. Um, I think there's a lot of Spielberg's best instincts in this movie. Like he's able to take what could easily be a series of conversations in rooms and still frame them in a way that is propulsive and dramatic. Uh, it's a masterclass in blocking in terms of where characters are positioned in relation to the camera, in relation to one another, and like how that informs their relative power to one another. Yeah. It, 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 it's really vintage Spielberg at the, it, it's still at the top of his game, just using classic cinematic techniques to, to deliver a story well, and to find, to find drama in a story that really we know pretty well, and you can summarize in a couple sentences. The other criticism that I've heard, and maybe you can address this, is that the, the plot of the movie largely resolves around 
um, like the this rich person's control over the paper that like the questions being around like why do we care about whether or not she like maintains control of her paper or not like uh, well yeah. not I mean that that's part of it and yeah. like the, the movie does address that in that yeah. a it's this woman who's in control of the paper that has been controlled by men forever and that, that she inherited that she inherited right and yeah. that but she nonetheless cares about and it's, it's been in her life forever but that's not the central conflict the central conflict of the movie is whether or not they publish the Pentagon Papers yeah. right and that's a huge question and actually really important and relevant to you know the country yeah. and that, that's that's where all the decision points in the movies are movie is right is, is whether or not they decide to release these papers and how and based on what information and what are the implications of not releasing it of yes releasing it mm -hmm. I mean it was it was true that if they were wrong if they publish it and then the Supreme Court comes down and says no this is actually treason that they, they could end up in jail for a really long time right that's that's the drama of the movie it's not about whether or not she gets to keep, keep her paper that's in the movie but it's not the central the central dramatic dramatic point Okay, well, I guess I'll, I'll have to watch it. You should. It's, it's good. Really <laughs> low on my list, though. I, <laughs> no, I, it looks awful. No, I, it's I really. It, it, did you see Bridge of Spies? No, that looked really boring too. Okay, like, well, I, I saw that one. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was fun. Yeah, to yeah. me, that I mean, this is not a spy movie. Like, it's not as action packed as Bridge of Spies, but it yeah. feels similar in that it's uh, Spielberg, late career Spielberg with Tom Hanks, like telling a moral tale. Sure. And I think that this movie is making a similar move that it's talking about. I mean, in some ways, a more complex way, the relationship between the the press and the the politicians, the right to the the public has to knowledge and to information about what the their government is doing, and it, it to, for me dramatizes that in an effective way. Uh, so yeah, if, if someone's telling you that this is just about rich people pushing paper around, they're wrong. Like, or they've misunderstood the movie. Like, that's that's not what's going on here. That's not the most important thing, or what Spielberg is most interested in. Okay. Um, I guess I want to see the heist of the papers and. They, oh yeah, that's so how it opens. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. The, it's have you seen mm -hmm. the Americans? Uh, I haven't. I hear it's the same people though, right? The you, same guys. The right? same guy. The one, the lead, the male yeah. lead in the Americans is this, the um, the same guy here that steals the papers, and that mm -hmm. that's how the movie opens, and it's really good. Like it works really well. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, for me, it's an easy recommend. The post. Um, and it also functions as a prequel to All the President's Men, because <laughs> um, the post ends with the Watergate break-in. Um, the, the last scene that you have in that movie is essentially the first scene in this movie. You got a little Rogue One ending there. Yeah, well, I think what he's actually doing is uh, commenting on comic book movies. Like, I think that that is... A, really? Yes. I, <laughs> yes, I think it is very explicitly modeled after the tags that you get at the end of Marvel movies. Like on next time on the the Washington Post Cinematic Universe, <laughs> like this is this is what will happen, <laughs> and it it is clearly a, like I was watching for it during this viewing of all the president's men. Like he replicates specific shots oh, yeah. from the beginning of of all the president's men at the end of the post, like the one from across the street where they have like the spotter. Like mm -hmm. you have that point of view several times at the end of the post. You see the guys. They, they, they have the uh, security guard that comes in and calls in the, sh the burglary in the exact same way. You see, you have the shot of the tape covering yeah. up the at the door so that they can get in and out. Exact same shot, like it's beat for beat, identical. So he's he's very explicitly connecting these two movies, um, I think. But and anyway, I've talked a whole bunch. So, uh, <laughs> Grossman, how do you? You've seen all the presidents been before? Yeah. Yeah. What? 
did this viewing change anything for you? It feels like you still had a little bit trouble tracking it. Um, Do you the, like it? Is I think the plot was is a little hard to follow late in the film. Um, one thing I like though is the tone change in the movie, where like the, the second or third time he sees he sees Deep Throat. Yeah, and yeah. then he, uh, so Robert, Robert Redford sees Deep Throat, Deep Throat informs him that he's like under surveillance and his life might even be in danger, mm -hmm. and he gets like really freaked out and he leaves the garage and there's this great shot where we're like kind of tracking him yeah. and he like turns around really quick, um, but not like nothing's there. Yeah. Um, I, I like this film a lot actually, I yeah. think it, I think it, I'm never sure about stuff that like glamorizes things that kind of feel trite or silly, but like I think that this is like such a particular moment in uh, in American history that it's really it really is. difficult to compare to anything else before it. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's uh, Watergate's probably the most important domestic news break in the last century. Yeah, really, like yeah, yeah. The the only like questions I have about it are like how it like kind of glamorizes things that are like probably really boring in real life that like you get like two really you know good good looking actors Robert Redford <laughs> yep. in particular yep. and uh, I mean to me it barely felt glamorized and, and Dustin Hoffman's hair yeah, uh, very 70s. But then you look at like Woodward and Bernstein, and they, they're like kind of trolls like, characters. Yeah. Normal dudes uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it makes the like Journalism like looks sexy. I bet it inspired yeah. like tons of people it did, to get into actually, journalism. That is, that is a true fact. It actually did specifically investigative journalism, and many of them were very disappointed. Yeah, of course. And, and I think that that reality. I mean, it's not for this movie to address, but I think people still think about journalism as as like this moment where yeah. like this is our like touchstone journalism moment in media, and. Um, it's really like not that exciting, and most most of the time, like journalism is just like rubber rubber stamping government power and not like investigating it. Yeah. And so, I I think that <clears throat> the lessons that we took away from this movie were like we did just didn't learn them. That, Un unfortunately, I, th yeah. I, I think you the most generous way to read it is that it's aspirational. Like what we, what journalism should be doing far more often is exactly what Bernstein were doing in this yeah. movie. Um, what they're doing is really hard, and it, the pieces have to come together in a really specific way for it to even happen, even if you do work really hard. Yeah, and the day-to-day the -day reality of, like, newspapers, you need the, like, the 15, like, Dog Bites Man articles yep. so that you can fund the, the, the Take Down the President articles. Yep. But, <laughs> but now we're just so focused on, like, the, the Dog Bites Man stuff and not the take down the president stuff. Yeah, I mean, Spotlight talked about that in an even, an even more explicit way. Like, that's yeah. really what Spotlight was about, is how yeah. the important mm -hmm. stories are, get lost behind the not important stories that are easier to pitch. Um, I don't know, did, did you see Spotlight? Yeah, it's excellent. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I loved it. You, I, I did not see? get around to seeing that one. It's really good, um, and I think it fits well in this, you know, journalism, cinema. Cinematic it, universe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, probably, like, maybe that can be a crossover. <laughs> um, but in terms, no, just in, like, the movies about about newspapers and about journalism, there's a yeah. lot of them, and I think Spotlight really is one of the better ones. But I think, and I'm not sure I'm getting this point across correctly, that, like, both those movies, I think, portray journalism in a way that we shouldn't 
think about it. Like, we shouldn't trust journalism the way that these movies tell us to. Sure. That, oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Um, and I think that th this movie's been so influential in how we think about journalists, and that is an incorrect way right. to think about journalists. Because it portrays them as very, like, idealistic and, like, adhering to the truth rather than their own beliefs and that kind of thing. Yeah, and... Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a moment where Robert Redford in the film was like, I'm a Republican, but he's yeah, still, like, was, uh, investigating and trying he was, to... He was yeah. lying, though, right? I think he was, I but... I think he might have been. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there. he was trying to, like, get... Because he was talking to Sloan at that time, who most of the time they were talking to Republicans, but I think he was trying to get him on his side. Like, sure, it, yeah. it still doesn't, like, all come across clearly. Yeah, right. And, and I think if you what we know about him now, that dude is not a Republican. Okay, <laughs> right? I, didn't, I didn't look yeah. that up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean he's he's still alive. He's still around. He wrote he actually wrote the book about this. Like he's mm -hmm. not a Republican. Okay, but but I think it's instilled in Americans too much trust in the media. Actually, in in the news. Yeah, I think that's. That, that but, we I mean, think that's that the news like has our best interests in mind. Yeah, not true. And even the Washington Post. That's not Post. true. Yeah. yeah, even the Washington Post. Particularly the Washington Post. Because if you read the op-ed page, it's like awful. It's yeah. just a gr group of some of the worst I Americans. Mean, read any like, op-ed paid for any major. New York <laughs> Times is no excuse. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's why one of the things I really liked about Spotlight, because yeah. I feel like what they were really pointing the spotlight um, at themselves and their own misdeeds. Like that was that was the big reveal in that movie is that the thing that they were looking for all along, like trying to find the source for was in the paper. Was in their paper yeah. thirty years ago. Right, and they just missed it. And nobody gave a shit. Yeah. Right, and I think that that kind of like undercutting the nobility of journalism, or like the in the, the I don't know how they're how they're these you know paragons of truth and and justice, and they're going to fight against the government. Like I think that kind of questions that in an important way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's one of the successes of that movie. Yeah, and yeah, I think that. Do movie does a better job of like connecting more disparate jobs or uh, disparate entities like you see the cops and the mm -hmm. church and the I mean, that's how politicians in the movie yeah you want to talk about good openings like yeah. the beginning of spotlight where yeah. they have the kid that was just raped by a priest at the uh, police department and they just say oh there's nothing here yeah. and the cops Whereas tell them to go home this movie's more like a news movie like a capital yeah. n news movie where we're supposed to like Get excited that they got the next big lead, and it's like an investigation. Yeah, well, it's a it's a yeah. procedural, right? Yeah. Or at least for the first like I don't know seventy five percent of it, it's a procedural, and I think it's a really well done procedural. But that is that's what it yeah, is. Yeah, it follows like a Law and Order mm -hmm. format where they you know, the detectives walk around and like interview people, and right? And they like get yeah. a little piece of information, and then they go back and they yeah. convert, they meet up about it, and they have this information and this information, and it comes together, and they learn a new thing, and then they can go to the next step. Like a procedure, right? Like it, it plays out in a very, I don't know, A to B way. Yeah, it's even a like a buddy, buddy cop thing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how do we think? What do we think about that? Like, did it work as a procedural while it was a procedural? Was that effective? Were you invested in the movie at that point, or was it just like, okay, now we're going to follow the series of steps? Well, my, part of my problem with the movie was it didn't feel like it properly conveyed the kind of crescendos of leads that they were following. Mm -hmm. um, like, usually for this kind of investigative plot, I would expect them to, like, kind of build up some tension or excitement towards, like, getting their breakthrough, mm -hmm. right? And I didn't feel like the movie really did did it that effectively, if, if it was trying to do it at all. I, I don't know. It seemed like it was, it was just trying to convey what happened in the order that it happened. Mm -hmm. 
right? And that's less conducive to being dramatic or exciting or entertaining. Um, so to me, it just felt like a bunch of conversations happening and then they get some information over time. I, no, go ahead. I, I, would, I would agree. I think the one thing that's kind of like missing, which I think would have helped the procedural notion of this movie, would have been like the the pin board with like the strings being laid out. Cause I, <laughs> you I, wanted that? <laughs> well, I think they need a moment to understand like the scope of their investigation. And we get that when they're discussing yeah. it. We kind of see the lists that they're like crossing out as they're like investigating mm -hmm. over time. Yeah. But I don't think the good movie does a, I don't think the movie does a good job of like pausing and saying like, this is where we're at. And like, it, it, I, I think there are stylistic reasons not to do that. Yes. Um, yeah, I think there are thematic reasons not to do that, right? Because yeah. I, I, I feel like this movie is up to some purpose, right? It is hard to follow what's going on, right? Like there are moments where you're just like, how do these people know each other? Who is this guy? Wait, where did that name come from? Why does this check matter, right? Like, and I got to imagine that that is exactly how this story hit the American public in the '70s, right? Like that's why it was on page, you know, twelve. In, in the Washington Post and not on, yeah. on the front lines, right? And like that, because to, to track all of this and to track like what it means, A, Woodward and Bernstein didn't know where they were going. Like for them, the big prize was the guy that was running the, the committee to reelect the president, not the president, right? They don't know what they're uncovering. They never, I don't think, really uncover the whole thing, right? And not in a way that the public cares about. And they never really pull together all the pieces, certainly not while they're doing it, at the very least. And you can't expect the public or, their, or even their editors to put it all together, too. And I feel like that sense of just like you're walking into this, you know, ununderstandable fog of lies and misrepresentation and stonewalling over and over and over again, that's exactly what this film communicates. And you're just trying to pull together as many threads out of this gigantic tapestry that you can to make something coherent. And they managed to do it, but most people can't. And that's why that scene <coughs> with Redford when he's walking away in the, in the parking lot is probably the most important scene of the movie, right? Because he's understanding, he's starting to understand the exact scope and his... How deep he's in. How, his lack of understanding of it, right? He's, he's starting to see how much he doesn't know and how much he'll never know and how much he'll never be able to actually defeat it, right? And... Th so to me, when this movie is, is doing stuff that really you can't follow, and you can't, right? Like there's a lot of here that you, on a first viewing, there's no, no way that you're going to be able to piece it all together. It's doing that on purpose, and it's doing that to illustrate just how corrupt this administration and this party is, and how you really can't beat it. And that's kind of horrifying, right? So for, for me, that... Uh, that's not a not. I agree with your analysis. I just disagree that it's a bad thing. Like I think that mm -hmm. it's what the movie's about, um, and that is important. Yeah, I mean, and that makes sense to me. It's just that it didn't make for a very entertaining movie for me. Yeah, I mean, well, like we when we talked about uh, Citizen Kane, I don't think all the good movies need to be awesome. And I think, well, I mean, I guess I was into it. Like mm -hmm. I, I was just more invested in the procedure, and maybe it was because I had. There was I'd seen it before a couple times, mm -hmm. and so I was like able to, you know, coast on some of the knowledge that I already had. Yeah, I watched the movie earlier. Um, I, I think that there is there are enough good character moments. I think that they outline Woodward and Bernstein, you know, as contrasting figures well enough, and like you see them button heads with their editors. That that is 
dynamic in a way that even if you're not understanding why it's important or what it's for, like you can still get into the flow of the characters. Yeah. Um, and if that doesn't land, that doesn't land, and that's fine. Um, but I think that that kind of makes up for some of the intentional obtuseness of this film, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, and maybe the so <clears throat> this is a part of a thematic trilogy. By, directed by Adam Pakula. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, the same director. Um, so the other. Oh, it was Pakula. Pakula? I think it's Pakula. Pakula? Anyway, that guy. Okay. Yeah, the Dra director. <laughs> Dracula. Yeah, yes. <laughs> um, the other two movies in the series are The Parallax View, which also stars Robert Redford, and Cludy, which I haven't seen. Just Clute. That's Clute? with Jane Fonda? With Jane. No, with um, Donald Sutherland. And Jane Fonda. Okay. Yeah. Well, Donald Sutherland's in it. I thought it was Three Days of the Condor, but Pacula was not involved with that movie. Yeah. Redford stars in that. Mm -hmm. um, the, it's known as the Paranoia Trilogy. Okay. Um, because all thematically, paranoia is like very important to uh, all three films. Um, Parallax Wheels is interesting. Have either of you seen it? No. No, I hadn't no. heard of those two until I looked at the Wikipedia page for All the President's Men. Yeah, so Parallax for you, I, I haven't seen Clute or Clutey Howard. It's, it's Clute. It's Clute, okay. Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen that, so I can't speak to it. But the Parallax View is interesting. It's, it's a fictional story, and it starts with a Robert Kennedy-esque politician doing a speech at the... Uh, Space Needle in Seattle, and he gets assassinated. And Redford is plays a journalist who like starts to investigate the assassination. Um, and the the Parallax reference is there's a corporation called the the Parallax Corporation, I think, okay. in, in the movie, and it's a government contractor, and it's unclear if the assassination was executed by, for political reasons from within the government or if this corporation had uh, offered the execution um, or had executed the, the politician. The politician. <laughs> and I think what's interesting about that movie is that you end up not being sure because there you okay. s you see the lines between the corporation and the the government start to be erased as the investigation like sure. goes deeper and deeper in the film. Sure. And one of the things that the film speaks to is this like this corporate power and it's like crossover with government and the parallax company essentially like is the American government right. and it's it's <clears throat> it's unclear like th those lines are are yeah, interesting and, I wish and, that movie and shady. A, I wish that movie had a better title. <laughs> yeah, right, like I think it has a cool title. Really, the no. Parallax View. It doesn't mean anything. Like it doesn't tell you anything about what that. I, when I, I heard it, I yeah. thought it was like a sci-fi movie or something. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it does not communicate to you what the movie is. But that sounds good. It, it's good. It's not as good as all the presidents men, but it's not many movies creepier are. in a in a okay. sense. Um, yeah, it, I and mean, I think it's actually in a sense more relevant to our contemporary uh, moment. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I can see how. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's interesting. Uh, the Post makes a similar point, uh, only it talks about how the government and the, the press become one, because they, they spend several scenes on how 
uh, Ben Bradley, who is the Tom Hanks character, and he appears in this movie as well, played by a different actor whose name I can't recall. Um, but he's the the, like the head editor. Like he's the, the big guy. Not Jack Warden, the other one. Um, he was friends with Kennedy, and he was with Jack Yeo shortly after Kennedy was assassinated and they landed back in Washington. It's, right. That's referenced lightly in this film, right. where the, the press secretary, the real footage of the press mm -hmm. secretary says that Ben Bradley, they know that he's a Democrat. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and he has been friends with numerous Democrats before that. Um, the Meryl Streep's character is friends with McNamara, right, who was the uh, Secretary of Defense during most or maybe all of Vietnam. And that's a, a, a strong B theme uh, throughout the film. So it's interesting that these uh, overlap in that way. It, it does not show up here in all the presidents been like that kind of, mm -hmm. there, there is a wall between the, the press and the, uh, the government here. Yeah. That is not reality. Yeah, it, and yeah, I don't, I don't think it's a, necessarily a failing of the film because I don't think that's what it's in, interested in. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's good to be aware of it going in, I think. Um, so we're not, don't make that mistake that a lot of uh, failed investigative journalists made <laughs> after they yeah. saw this. That's the other reason I think like the parallax view is almost like more relevant to today sure. because we, now that the post is a part of Amazon and Amazon's like our new feudal lord, yep. um, <laughs> like the lines between government and Amazon are quickly being erased too because we see this huge rush to provide them with billions of dollars to locate their new headquarters you know, wherever. And, in Charlottesville. And they own the Post. So, <laughs> yeah. like, if we're reading the Post, do we ever expect the Post to be critical of, of Amazon? Probably not. Yeah. Um, they, might, they might position themselves as, you know, counter to the Trump administration, but you know, are they really when they're so quick to, like, erase all these lines? Yeah, you, yeah. you saw that with Disney and I think it was the L.A. Times recently where the L.A. Times had published in their news section, some story about something that Disney did that they didn't. I don't remember the details, and I wish I did, but some story critical of Disney and their treatment of their employees or something like that. Yeah. In response to that, they didn't say it this way, but it very clearly wasn't in response to that, they denied the LA Times film critic any preview screenings for Star Wars. So nice. they, Yeah, so they wouldn't be allowed to publish a review in their paper until after the movie came out, yeah, and where every other paper in the country would have access to the movie and have a, a preview, you know, the day or two before. And fortunately, many critics came out and newspapers came out and said, "If you do this, we will not publish any reviews of your movies." Mm -hmm. Period. And they they backed down. But similar thing, right? That you see this push pull between the the industries being covered and the governments being covered and the the journalists doing the covering. Um, that one went the right way, but that's uncommon. Who knows what will happen next time? Right, exactly. Right, yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's less likely to happen next time because they won this time around. But you know, Disney just got more powerful. They, yeah, and yeah. the Post was one of many newspapers that like helped, you know, as, act as a cheerleader for the Iraq invasion. It, in I mean, pick a newspaper in America, right? Like they all did. <laughs> yeah, 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 ex yeah exactly. exactly. But when you have such a a national, mm -hmm. like the Post is like next to the New York Times is like the, Most the big paper, paper in the, the world. Yeah. And depending on where you are in the country, the Post is actually more important. So, yep. um, and so like if you're one of two newspapers that command such a national audience and you have a responsibility. You, yeah, exactly. And yeah. they don't, they don't, 
often act correctly on those responsibilities. So yeah, yeah you are you are correct. Same thing with the yeah. the times and et cetera, et cetera. Right? And and bringing it back to the movie, I think part of that is this movie's fault. That yeah, we, it gives them cover. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we're supposed Just to remember all this great stuff we did in the seventies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And or even like Woodward and Bernstein themselves. Like Woodward still works and his work like during the Bush administration was not like yeah. not that interesting. And, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, I think we look up to people who I mean, did like one great thing and yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't they just great. happened to have the scoop yeah. at one time. And, and I mean to be fair to them, they did do the work and they yeah. and this is a super important story and they were it was good that they brought Nixon down, right? Like it's a good thing that his yeah, his camp, his uh, presidency was shortened, yeah. right, and that the Republican Party was shamed, and they are forever the party of Nixon now, right? Like that is a good thing, but yeah, you're right; it does give them cover for the rest of their lives, essentially. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, for whatever they do. Truth, um, truth eyes in darkness, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ain't, that, ain't that the truth? Um, what do we? Th so, in terms of how this looks as a movie, right? Because it's still a movie, and it still is presented as cinema. Um, one of the things I noticed on this viewing that I liked a lot is how uh, Pakula was shooting the newsroom scenes, right? Yeah. So, like, there's a lot of, it's a news, movie about a newspaper, right? Like, there's a lot of scenes in the newsroom. And he manages to fill up the screen really well, right? Like, I think it would be pretty easy for this to look like Robert Redford sitting at his desk making phone calls over and over and over again. Right, but that's not what it is, right? Like we have Robert Redford sitting at his desk making phone calls, but there's people walking around behind him. There's the sounds of, news, of typewriters all the time. There's just constant yeah, that's activity great. in the background, yeah. Yeah. and it gives this sense of so much energy and liveliness within the frame mm -hmm. um, that I think when we come down to just you know the, the close-up shot on Redford making a phone call to dude in Minnesota or whatever that the contrast of it hits really hits really well, right? That it's like, this is important now, like pay attention here. And we can pick out those important moments because he does such a good job of filling up the rest of the movie and the rest of the frame during these these newsroom shots. Right. I don't know, anyway, think, go ahead, sorry. I think part of that was actually his use of color. Okay. Um, and it's specifically the furniture. There's a lot of brightly colored furniture that they use. It has these like yeah. primary red, mm -hmm. green, blue, yellow. I noticed that I think whole sections of the floor were colored differently. Yeah. yeah. And I think uh, it would be difficult to shoot an office floor and not have it be like really drab. Mm -hmm. And I think the choice of the whatever furniture they use is like really particular that they brought in like all this brightly colored furniture and it like breaks the palette up. I almost wonder yeah. if the newsrooms all just looked like that because I feel like I remember them looking like that in Zodiac, which it's I believe similar. is the same time period, and they had a lot of newsroom shots in that one as well. Maybe they were inspired by this movie, probably. Um, but I feel like I remember the furniture being colorful in that one as well. I might just be like misremembering because I've seen the scenes in this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I think back I think movie. both of you guys have a better eye for that than I do. Um, so yeah, you're you're probably right. Like I did not pick up on that quite as well as, as you've articulated it. Um, so yeah, it's a good read. Um, same thing with their clothes. I, I feel like um, Woodward and Bernstein, the two of them, like their wardrobe pops a lot more than a lot of the other people. They were really ill-fitting clothes. That's the seventies, of course. <laughs> they, yeah, <laughs> they, you know they had well-fitted. Redford, Redford had good well-fitting clothes. They had well-fitting pants. 
Right? Yeah, that might and be. And poorly fitting shirts. Surgeons are giant shirts. Giant yeah. fucking canvases for their shirts. Yeah. And then just like really trim, nice looking pants. Yeah. Except um, for the little like parachute bottom or whatever you call it. When they them. would do that, yeah. But, but so they didn't always do that. And when they didn't, they were, they were better <laughs> off for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, we also had two, more than two, but two in the lead, uh, really big name actors in this movie. Uh, we've touched on, uh, on them a little bit, but both Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman are big, huge names. Yeah. Um, how do we feel about how those guys different, differentiated themselves, for one thing, from one another? Because I think it'd be easy to just put both be, you know, the journalist cracking open Watergate, um, but also individually. Like, how did their performances land? I feel like I'd have to watch this again to really pick out the differences between the two characters because I was too busy following what was happening. Yeah. Um, to really note how they played off each other and how they approached things differently. I, I, I didn't really pick up on that. I, I did notice some of what Robert Redford was doing. Um, like, he's the lead, right? Like yeah, acting. Yeah. He had a bit of that kind of manic confusion on his face um, throughout the entire movie, but also you could tell that he had this kind of like obsessive drive to want to figure out what was at the bottom of all this. Um, and then, of course, there's those great scenes where he's like super paranoid about what's going on and worried about his life being in danger and that kind of stuff. And he conveys that intensity very well. Um, yeah, as for Dustin Hoffman's character, I feel like I didn't pick up on what he was doing quite as well um, because a lot of it was just him trying to seem friendly to um, get more information out of a lead that they were talking to. I remember there was one scene where he was doing that a lot with the lady where he was getting the coffee. Um, and he talked about afterwards how it lasted like six hours. Yep. Um, but I could tell he was trying to stay calm despite how frustrating the situation was, I guess. Um, yeah, he, seemed, he seemed more tightly wound to me. Yeah. Between the two of them. Hoffman did. Um, playing well, there's the scene where he runs after Hoffman in the car. Yeah. That's another good one. He, he has this like frantic energy about him that I think is Redford like sets does. him apart. No, uh, Hoffman. Hoffman does. Okay. Yeah. 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 Like he's much more like spastic on the screen. I agree. So. Um, I can see that. And he's like the smaller person, so it like fits that a bit better. Yeah. 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 Well, and like Hoffman is certainly by no reasonable definition a bad looking guy. Yeah. But when you're standing next to Robert Redford, <laughs> any of us would look like a troll. So like I think that they kind of play on that too. That yeah. you have Redford as like the charming one. Right, like that. He he's he's the one that's like, uh, you know, putting the moves on that girl to get the list of names and just trying to like play it cool with her. And he's he he'll open a lot of the times when they're just doing their door to door thing. And like he has he he's an, he's one of those people that like has such charisma that he really just can't turn it off. Right, like it feels like he just <laughs> he's just there. He's just there, and he's just like one of those naturally magnetic people. Mm -hmm. And I think there are people that can turn it off and on. Mm -hmm. And Hoffman might be one of them. Mm -hmm. um, Redford is not. Like, he's just that way. <laughs> no matter what, he's just a, a, one of those people that w you're drawn to, which is why he's a movie star. Yeah. yeah. And I think that that shows up in this movie. Um, and Hoffman is able to downplay his, you know, natural movie star thing um, in a way that complements Redford well, right, to set them apart from one another. I can see that. Right. Like, you, like you, I think it, like the, the scene when they, he goes down to Florida, right, and he's waiting in the office all day. Like from he had the, the appointment at nine a.m. He doesn't actually get in there until four thirty. Like the way he just like tricks that woman and barges into the office and starts accosting that attorney that he's talking to. That scene would have played very differently if they had swapped roles. If it had yeah. been Burns, Burns 
if it had put uh, Woodward, Woodward that goes down there rather than, than Bernstein, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Uh, so I think that that is important, right? That you have, you're able to differentiate, differentiate these guys and also not just think of them as Robert Redford and, <laughs> and Dustin Hoffman, which is tough to do, because especially then they're very famous, like right. more so than now. The bosses are a little hard to differentiate too. The yes. like editors. This yes, is just a bunch of old white guys. Old and white dudes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I still had fun with this couple of scenes where they're like hashing out what stories to pursue and like their round table at the beginning of the day about what's in the paper. And it's just like classic, what you imagine, you know, <laughs> old timey journalists doing. Yeah. Um, that I think played pretty well for me. But you're right, it is. They all do kind of run together sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had some of the editors were difficult to like track. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean one of them's Jack Warden, so like, yeah, that was Jack Warden. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> other, other than that, they who all, is that? Uh, he's the the one, the bald one with the really round head, a little bit bigger than the others. Um, you, he's no. he has a character face. Like you okay, would, you would recognize him if you if you saw him. He's one of those. There was, guys. There was one guy I recognized, or that I started to recognize because I thought he looked kind of like um, Khan from Star Trek. He like kind of had that look to his face. It, it's not the same actor, okay. but it, it uh, reminded me of him and that helped me kind of like identify him. Who would that have been? He's okay. the guy who they, he's in the bathrobe at the end of the movie and they like go outside of his oh, house yeah, and he Bradley. yells at them. That's that's the Tom Hanks character. In, okay. <laughs> in a, I just, I post. thought the actor looked a bit like okay. Carlo Mantelbaum. <laughs> Carlo Mantelbaum. Nobody looks like Carlo Mantelbaum. He stands alone. I thought you hadn't seen Rathacon. I hadn't, no, but you I still mean, know what he looks like? I know what he looks like, okay. yeah. Okay. Um, okay, sure, yeah, I get, I get that. But yeah, yeah so they, I sort of picked him out. Yeah, but they, they do, uh, in a sense, run together. Yeah. 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 Uh, most of the like ancillary characters do, which is confusing because some of the characters drop in and out of the movie, and then some don't. Yeah. And yeah, so you're yeah. not sure who you need <laughs> to remember. Yeah. Right. Well, and some of the people that you need to remember or don't need to remember never actually appear on screen. Yeah. yeah right. Because it's, it's just phone calls, right? Like yeah. when nobody's playing Halderman in this movie. He's not cast. Yeah. yeah. Right. Or he's a critical character. Colberg or whatever. Or Dahlberg. Dahlberg. Col yeah. Colson. Dahlberg. Uh, yeah. The guy with an M, whose name I can't remember. Mitchell. Yeah. That guy. All these guys. Super important to the story. Never appear on screen. <laughs> right. Uh -huh. And you have to just. So like we don't have the ability to like track them with an image in mind unless you just happen to know what Halberg looks like or whoever. Uh, I just mixed I mean, two names are together. Because they're all real people. Because right? they're all real people, right. Um, so unless you just happen to know that because you follow the news pretty closely, yeah. it's that much more difficult to piece this movie together and to put it to, into something coherent that you can really hold on to. Um, which is, again, probably the sensation what, of what investigating Watergate really was like. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie came out in 76, mm -hmm. and Nixon resigned in 74. Yep, so that's a hell of a turnaround. Came out the same year that the book of the same name came they out. They must have been in production at the same time. Yeah. Right, they, there's no way that they. I mean, a lot of it is written already because they, you know, that yeah, the you job just is. compile your articles into it. <laughs> right. But there's a lot of detail to like fill in. Yeah, and, and you want to yeah. make it a. You can't just have a whole book's worth of newspaper articles. That's, that's of un, course. That's unreadable, yeah. right? Like, yeah. But um, yeah, they, there's no way that they wrote the book, got it published. And then started making the movie. Yeah, they must yeah. have been consulting with them at the same time as... So Bernstein's the author of the book. Mm -hmm. I assume they both contributed, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, I was trying to think about, like, 
anything like that. But there's uh, the, such like a quick turnaround. The Oliver Stone movie about Bush. Yeah, I that guess that might be that. one because uh, that came out during his presidency, I think, or yeah. like very shortly afterwards. Um, that was just called W. I think Josh Brolin played Bush in that one. Yeah, that was not great. I didn't see it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, Oliver Stone. I forgot just, that existed. I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. With him. It um, almost felt like too soon, like too soon to like reflect on. Uh, that's why what I didn't see happening. it. Yeah, yeah, I didn't want to watch Bush for two hours. Like, yeah. I, I just didn't want to. You see him during the day anyway. I just didn't want to see any more of him. Yeah. Right. Like, and just like the when the inevitable Trump movie comes out. Eh, like, I don't know if I want to watch that guy for that long. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I remember just in 07 just being like, can we please just end this yeah, right exa- now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, it felt interminable for. Oh nine to run around for when Obama actually took office. Yeah, I mean, granted, for the last like year and a half of Bush's presidency, he didn't do anything, right? Like he was he was waiting up the clock too. Sure. Like he he was just the normal. Yeah, but the economy himself. was falling apart at the same time, so it was right. like, please, like <laughs> anybody step yeah. in at this yeah. point and do do something. No, I remember having was, the same feeling. Yeah. Yeah, that it was kind of unbelievable that it would keep going on that long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I can't think of anything that reflects so quickly on an event like this. Yeah. But the, again, this event's so unique that... Well, I mean, actually, I, I, yes, this event is unique. Um, but I think we see it even more lately. Like, you look at the, the Patriot Day movie, right? Oh, like, right. That, that was within a couple of years of the actual attack. I, uh, we I got, guess what we I got mean hurt. is that, like, a good movie (laughs) (laughs) that reflects so quickly because it's hard to be like reflective on a moment and this movie is like I I like this movie a lot I think it's really good and for it to come together in like a year and a half and be so effective that's really impressive yeah Yeah, well I I think that Woodward and Bernstein are actually talented and that helps a lot right like they're actually good writers and Mm -hmm. they they were able to put together this even if they didn't grasp all of it because who the hell can grasp all of it like they were able to take together, take enough of it and put it into something that it, you can film, right? Like I think these guys are actually just very smart. Are they the screenwriters on this or? I'm, they must have consulted, right? Yeah, yeah. obviously. Right, like they're... they're but they I wonder, like I know Pacula was producer, but uh, this is impressive. Like I can't think of anything else that like reflected so quickly and so effectively on a Hurt moment. Locker? Maybe the Hurt Locker. I like that movie a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it actually does think about the Iraq War in a pretty um, thoughtful. Think, it thinks about it thoughtfully, in a, in, in, a, in, a, in a useful way, in a, in a reflective way. Um, so I think that might be one. And if we want to talk about Bigelow, I think Zero Dark Thirty Two. Uh, yep. That that one I think, it, it, and that was not just a depiction. Like that was actually reflecting on the implications of finding um, Osama and like. The, the path that got them there. Mm. So I think Bigelow might actually be pretty good at this. I think she did it twice. <laughs> She's a good director. So She is a good director. <laughs> has made many good movies. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I think it, it, it has happened. Uh, or you even look at um, Apocalypse Now came out not that long after the Vietnam War ended. Right? Like that was a, that was a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah. That's more, they had different source material though, right? Because it's hard, hard to darkness. It's really hard to darkness. Yeah. yeah. It, it's not, I mean, it's a very obviously about Vietnam, but it's not about the events of Vietnam that much. Yeah. Right, so I think it, it it's doing something else that way. I, what I think we see less often is a detailed accounting that turned around that quickly. Right. Yeah, yeah. This this seems movie seems to like very quickly understand 
the scope of the conspiracy. Right, and I think Zero Dark Thirty did too. Like there was a lot of specific events yeah. that that movie had to show us, but this one even more so. Yeah, whereas it's like they already had all the information together, right? Cause, yeah, like just inherently they had it all. Yeah, because they did the thing. Yeah. Yeah, but like even with today, like I, I still feel like we don't have the full picture as to like the corruption of like the second Bush administration, like like. No. And I'm not sure that we'll ever get to the bottom of it. Yeah, not, no, yeah. not in a real way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, and by the time we do have all the information, like, people yeah. won't care. Right? Like, yeah. Like, exactly. I mean, they already don't care, right? He's yeah, like, they, they don't care right now. Uh, people like him again, even though. Yeah, God. Like, uh, but, you, like, you look at Andrew <laughs> Jackson, right? Like, the, and the corruption of that administration. Like, how long did it take that to come out? He's horrible. Nobody cares. Yeah, or Jefferson. It feels like just in the past like twenty years that we're starting yeah. to really reflect on like how awful Jefferson is. Yeah, very. It turns yeah. out, <laughs> it yeah. turns out he was a rapist and a slave owner. How about yeah. that? Um, so yeah, and then Maybe that's that. that's the scarier yeah. thing is that yeah. the information is presented to you and just nobody gives a shit. And they touch on it in this movie where Brad, there were that conversation outside Bradley's house where he says like fewer than fifty percent of the American public knows what Watergate is or has heard the word. Yeah. Right. Like. That I think we're still grappling with, and even now, like you ask people what actually happened with Watergate, most of them are going to say it's a it's a burglary that Nixon ordered, which is true, but also no, not. it's not true, right? Yeah, not exactly true, but it's not the scope, yeah. not not really what it's about. Yeah, right. That's not really what's going on, and not really why it's so important. Yeah, and you know that is troubling. <laughs> that this, which is probably the most famous or and important investigative journalism work of the 20th century, most Americans probably don't know all the details. I don't claim to. And that's too bad, right? Like, that's, that's a scary thing, right? Yeah, I'm trying to reflect on that. I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure it's so scary. Like, it's, it's so no. well known that Americans are, like, very illiterate of... News and news events, so it doesn't shock or it scare me. Actually, I mean, maybe yeah. not shock, but disappoints, troubles, right? Like, I, there's something about that that I, I just find unsettling, right? That that we are so disinterested. Like, how do you fight that? Right? Can you fight that? Like, I don't, I don't know. Um, and that that's the unsettling thing, right? Is that you can look at this story that is well, we should move to a parliamentary system. You think so? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because you only have go to, on. You, well, you elect your 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 party. That's what you do. That's right. much easier, and that like connects you much more to an ideology because you understand who and what it is that you're voting for. Because the who doesn't matter as much as the the what, right? Yeah. So in a parliamentary system, you choose your party based upon what you believe in, and and hope that the people that the party picks are actually going to line up with those? Well, yeah, but the party agrees I, to a set of priorities that they act upon based on their ideology. and Isn't that what American parties do? No, right. not at all. And, and uh, it's, it's well known that like Americans don't understand the difference between left and right politics. And they, if you ask them like which parties are aligned with like the left or the right, they have like very difficult time coming up with that answer. Okay. Uh, like a small minority is able to identify which party is on the left and which party is on the right. So I think... Republican begins with R, yeah. just like right. But, but I think... Wait, people don't know that? Uh, Americans have a very difficult time identifying left or right politics. 
What makes you think they would grasp a parliamentary system then? Because you'd say the things that you want to do. But they do that, right? No, they don't. Republicans are like, we want to export, or we want to uh, deport minorities, right? Like, that's what they (laughs) campaign on. And that's what people vote for. Yeah, but they can't identify as that. That's like a right-leaning thing. Can they, but they must be able to identify it as a Republican thing, right? Like, that's the platform. Yeah, that's fine. But the, they we, they don't align in the same way, right? Because if you ask them, like, if, and, and this is, like, maybe delving too far away from the movie, but if, if you ask people <laughs> that, like, you know, if, if you want free health care, vast majority of Americans say yes, Right, but they, yeah. but okay, they, it doesn't mean that saying. they like vote for the party for that Democrats. wants that, right? Yeah, because they don't actually want Because they get <laughs> deceived by what the parties are saying. Yeah, I mean, plenty of them lie. And th- that is yeah. what I'm wondering about the parliamentary system, right? Like, these, like they have a parliamentary system in, in the UK, right? And they, folks lie all the time. Yeah, they, they're, <laughs> they at least like know what they're, yeah. they think that they're voting for, right? I guess. Yeah. I guess. I don't know. I, I, I feel like there are similar exit polls after Brexit, right? People that, like, didn't really understand what they were, what they were voting well, for. Well, because they weren't given a very good alternative, right? Yeah, it was, yeah, poor politics. Yeah. Doesn't that sound familiar? But, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> uh, anything it's, we haven't... That's very far afield of the, this it, movie. It, it, it isn't, it isn't, right? The, yeah. This movie is... It gets bigger and bigger as it goes along. That's kind of one of the, the themes, right? That they yeah. think they're dealing with a burglary and they're really not. Then they think they're dealing with, you know, low-level corruption about moving around $25,000, yeah. but they're not. And, like, that, that's the whole the premise of the film is that it's always bigger than you think it is until you can't fathom how big it is, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's yeah. what's going on here. Um, what do we think about the ending? This movie has kind of I a, to a semi-famous that. ending, and it's a little unexpected. I felt like the movie just kind of fizzled. That's how it felt to me. I think that's when they ran into the moment. It's like the moment in Spaceballs where they run up to the <laughs> to the present. That's what it felt. When like. is this happening now? Yeah. Now? Yeah. <laughs> it's just that, like, it I, feels I really like, think that that's what happened. That like they yeah. ran to the present events, and then that's where it ends because well, that's the, they don't even talk. Time about had an advance beyond. A lot happens between yeah. like when they like release the article and Nixon resigning, right? I mean, like feel yeah. like they have to confirm that this article is really real because at that point we're still left off with they released the article and the government has denied it and some of their sources fall apart Whoa. and so they're trying to piece together what their sources are to try to confirm this article to really like implicate the people who are involved in this crime. And they kind of leave off with the chief editor, whoever, on the lawn saying, you guys got to get your shit together because, um, or well, maybe maybe give up because nobody cares or something like that. They say that, and then the movie just ends, right? But, but I think that's the moment at which everybody became interested in the story. And what this movie is about is that nobody really cared about the story. And it was about Woodward Bernstein staying after it because they knew that they had something. In that moment, that final article that they get to in the movie, that's the moment where all the other newspapers start reporting. It's now no longer Woodward and Bernstein's story. It's the, the national story. Right. It, and th- 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 that wasn't really conveyed, right? They leave off with their talk yeah. on the lawn saying, get your shit together, and then they go straight into, I believe, they go straight into Nixon's inauguration speech where they do the typewriter thing and it just outlines the rest of history yeah. until Nixon resigning, right? So there's no moment where... Well, it doesn't have to be a moment, but like they don't convey that um, they've like 
uh, properly confirm the sources on their article or whatever, or even like the other news sources reporting on the story to really break it out, or how the story really breaks out and like actually reaches the president and yeah. gets to him resigning. I, None of that is conveyed, and like they have this artful like typewriter thing to show what happened, but it doesn't really convey it, how they connected those points. I, again, like I think they ran into like the present moment yeah. that like things were still developing. Like Nixon had resigned by '76, but you know there's so many years of like fallout from mm -hmm. that, and uh, I don't. I think they just ran up to like, yeah, where this is like two seconds ago now. But like, yeah. surely the like, I mean, the president doesn't resign on like half baked sources in a newspaper article, which is where where they kind of left off, right? So there's yeah. some point between that news article that was debunked theoretically. I think I think they said it was debunked or something like that, and the president actually resigning, and they just write a bunch of newspaper headlines in the typewriter that lead up to Nixon resigning, and that felt really disappointing to me. I think there's that old, there's a quote, I, I don't know who said it, um, where they talk about something happening gradually and then all at once. Yeah. And I think like that's the sensation of this movie, right? And the, the sensation of Watergate, right? Where you had these page 12 stories. Spotlight does the same thing uh, at, yeah. at the end of the film. Yeah. Where it's it, like. All of a sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden right. there's this flood of calls. Yeah, which, and it's dramatized in Spotlight differently than it is here. Because they're actually sitting in a room and somebody calls in and says, I want to talk about this priest and blah, blah, blah. But in this, the idea being that this story before was like barely making the end of the newspaper, right? Like it's certainly not on the front page. It's, they're, they're talking about tabling it at some point, like that they're not going to pursue it anymore. And then all of a sudden, when they think that it's going to die, that they think they're at the dead end is when it really breaks wide open. And it gets bigger, like you were saying, Crossman, it gets bigger than Woodward and Bernstein. Yeah. Right, and that what they're concerned with isn't the drama of the president, you know, getting on his helicopter for the last time or the, what, what goes on in the courtroom when all these guys plead guilty. You'll know, as you pointed out, the scene before the last shot with that typewriter, you have the, the shot of the TV, Nixon doing his, his inauguration and all that. But the other half of the screen is them sitting in an uncharacteristically quiet newsroom typing, right? And I think what we're supposed to be getting out of that is that these guys are watching Nixon. These guys are paying attention to, to what's on the TV and the fanfare of the inauguration. Woodward and Bernstein are working, right? Mm -hmm. They're watching the money, which is the famous line from this movie, right? Follow the money. That's what they're paying attention to, what is literally happening in the background in, in the, the film. It's the background of the shot. That's what they're following. And that's what actually matters, right? And so for me, what that's saying is that we shouldn't be worried about the, the big dramatic moments. We should be worried about what the actual effect is. And the actual effect is Haldeman pleads guilty, Mitchell pleads guilty, so-and-so pleads guilty, Nixon resigns end of movie, right, like that. To me, that's what I'm getting out of that last shot and why I think it's expected and surprising. Like, I like to be surprised by movies and I think that's a surprising end because what you expect at the end of this is like Nixon blowing up or something like that or some big, you expect him to see him get on the helicopter for the last time. Um, and I like that it doesn't do that. I like that it's saying like these guys are practitioners, right, that they're, they're not here to, for the big moment, they're here to type their story while everyone else is watching TV.
I like that about it. That, that is an interesting point. I do feel like often when I'm watching these movies that they butt up <clears throat> against my expectations for sure. what should happen in a movie. So, like, I talked earlier about how in, like, an investigative movie, I expect there to be, like, crescendos of information mm -hmm. developing and, like, breakthroughs and leads, like, you know. Yeah, basically this movie, the this movie has that. Basically, yeah. the dramatization of these events, uh, which would culminate in the big breakthrough at the end, which leads to, like, you know, everything breaking open and Nixon resigning and all that, which is what I, like, conveyed mm -hmm. earlier that I wanted. Um, and you say you like to be surprised, and I felt like... I was surprised, but in a negative way, sure. because it didn't meet what my expectations were. And I understand that movies shouldn't always be cliche and shouldn't always uh, live up to expectations, but at the same time, I felt like the way they conveyed it in this movie, I liked it less for it. It just, it felt like it sputtered out, which felt disappointing for something of this magnitude and scale. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the, I hear what you're saying. I, I like the matter-of-factness of it, mm -hmm. where, it's, where it's like, here's the payoff, like here's... yeah. This is what happened. Like you, you understand the drama of it, right? Like everything is naturally heightened when it's on when it's on a screen, when it's in a movie, right? Like it, it, cinema has a naturally heightening effect. I feel like Kula is trusting us to understand the gravity of it and to understate it in such a way as to say, you you were with them this entire time. You get how big this is. You don't need to see Nixon getting on the helicopter. You understand it, audience member, right? And I'd like that like measure of respect that he gives us, I think, and the credit that he gives the audience, um, which is very 70s, I think, mm -hmm. but uh, a, a good move that I wish we would see more often, frankly. Uh, Charles, so, what do you think of the depiction of the Deep Throat character? Mark Felt. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, it, it was a cool, like, setup, <coughs> yeah. I guess, because it had that kind of spy movie intrigue to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know that much about the story of the Deep Throat. He worked guy. for the FBI. Yeah. He came out, he's dead now, I believe. Yeah, he came out right before he died. Yeah, because he, he was sick, I think. Um, yeah. And he, when was that, like 2009? Something like that? Something like that. Yeah. Um, his name's Mark Felt. He worked for the FBI, um, which is where, where he was getting all his info, obviously, because they weren't, the FBI yeah. was investigating this too. Um, and he, I, my understanding is that he saw them kind of punting on it and. That's why he went to. Well, it seemed like the, the Robert Redford character had already worked with them in the past. Yeah, on um, what they said it in the movie. Was it the? Oh shit! It's uh, some other story, but yeah. yes, you're correct. Maybe it was the Kennedy assassination. Might have been the 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 other Kennedy assassination. Robert. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that you, that might be correct. Um, but yeah, that's probably the most iconic. I don't know, moment in the film. And he gets the big line, the follow the money line. That's yeah. from, from... It's also April. like one of the great like mysteries in American politics. That was actually like, resolved. Yeah, I remember yeah. it like, dominated my childhood. It felt yeah. like... Yeah, well, yeah, I remember... Like, people had figured out it was Mark Felt before he came out. Like, there were, there were plenty of people that had been like, yeah. that weren't that surprised yeah, by Yeah, there it. were betting pools that had him, like, pretty high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know how people yeah. knew that, but... It, so it wasn't like a totally out of left field, yeah. but um, it was still definitely front page news when he finally revealed himself. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, he, he it's famous because of this movie. Okay. Yeah. I guess I had missed my on my earlier viewings that he didn't call himself Deep Throat. That one of the editors 
gave him that name. <laughs> Very <laughs> sheepishly no, admits the, to it later. Yeah, yeah. And my favorite bit yeah. there is that when he names him, yeah. you you see uh, Hoffman like holding back a laugh on the yeah. couch. It's oh, yeah. like this really like subtle moment from from Dustin Hoffman, but you can see him like almost laugh at that. Or you wonder if they just it. didn't want to re reshoot that. No, I think it was on purpose. Like yeah. I think okay. that was actually Bernstein trying to not okay. laugh at that and. You know, Hoffman being. Uh, There's being another method. great subtle moment on that couch where Hoffman has a cigarette. He's just kind of holding it out, and yeah. all the ash from the cigarette it's falls right on, on the, the cushion. Yes. And then, <laughs> yeah. but Redford is the one that sees it, and he he sweeps it off. Oh, I missed oh, the yeah. second part. I was wondering what that and, was. And Hoffman doesn't even like acknowledge or That's notice great. that like his mess had been cleaned up by Woodward. That's funny. I, yeah. I noticed the ashes, but I did not, did not notice Redford cleaning it up. It, it happens offhand. They're talking, and Redford just, just reaches over and types it. I, I noticed Rob <laughs> Redford yeah. sweeping it, yeah. but I didn't see what it was. Okay, so between so, the two of us, yeah. we, we got the whole we, thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. I had missed that. Yeah, yeah, it's a nice moment in the film where it's yeah. just like this little action that like it, 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 something else is happening. Right, it builds the characters and like gives this sense of you know, characterization and personality to these guys. This is another movie where everybody's smoking. This is like two movies in a row where yeah. like 80% of the movie is smoking. Is this just what things smoking. were like in the 70s? I mean, yeah, I think, well, in the 40s, right, because the double indemnity, pretty much everybody was smoking the entire movie. Yeah. This movie is the same, although Redford says, no, I don't, I don't smoke. Well, and uh, he, he calls out Hoffman for it at some yeah. point. He says, like, are you ever not smoking when he starts, when he lights up in the elevator? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah. man, you need to relax. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. This is, especially the Bernstein character, this is one where everybody is, is puffing away. No cool um, lighting the match yeah. tricks in this one, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's too bad. Yeah. One moment I thought was fun was when they're trying to identify the three initials that a woman had given them. Right. And they figure, they, they infer who they think they are and are pretty sure, yeah. but they need to get it on record, right? Yeah. Um, and so they She's go like back. She's like an accountant or assistant at the Republican National Convention. Yeah, I had lost track of it. Committee to re-elect. Sorry, yeah, committee to re-elect. But yeah, yo, that was but a great I moment. I thought that was fun because they, they decide to do a little mind game and just like say up front that they know who the P is or something like that. They, they say, well, first of all, who's P? It's like, no, we know P is no, this guy, right? He's <laughs> obviously this guy. Yeah. They're hoping that she confirms that um, with their little mind game. And it works. Yeah, and I thought it was hilarious because <laughs> uh, Hoffman's like, what if she says it's not him? And Redford goes, we're screwed. That we're screwed, <laughs> yeah. I cracked up a bit at that. But it was yeah. also nice when they executed, and she goes, wait, how did you know who P was? Yeah. Uh, and they just kind of have to like try to keep <laughs> a straight like, oh, face. You just told us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was a good moment. There's uh, a few of those that they you, you see like this collaboration with them now and then that I think is really nice in this movie. They they just kind of roll with the improvisation. Yeah. Just right. Yep. yep. They're interviewers, right? That's the yeah. job. Yeah. And the moment when they like finally think they've hit on somebody. Um, and they knock on that lady's door and they just have the wrong person. <laughs> and it just happens to have been someone that's right. been reading they, their articles. They get friendlyly like, invited in and she's yeah. like, starting to like, just chat, chat them up and they expect they're going to get all this information. Yeah, it's just like, uh, no, she's just a citizen. That's <laughs> like, a great misdirection. Yeah, that was, that was really good. Um, anyway, uh, do we have any uh, closing thoughts on, on all the presidents, Ben? Maybe I expect these movies to be more entertaining than they need to be. Maybe we need to pick movies you like more. <laughs> I don't know. We, we don't have to pick movies that I like. Like, right, we just but to pick ones that are like cinematically significant, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's the goal, but you know, those can overlap sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I just I don't know. I don't think I've done a good enough job like underlining 
how scary the later scenes are. Like, I actually think that they're shot really well. I think that they're really creepy. And um, I, I, I had this the experience this time, more so the previous time I watched it, which was about six or seven years ago, um, where I, the movie ended and I was alone in my house. And I was like... Wait, I thought you watched it with somebody. This time I did, but the previous oh, time... Okay. <laughs> uh, she left. <laughs> the previous time I watched it was just like... Uh, like I'm like yeah. kind of freaked out now. Like, yeah. like I was like actually scared. Yeah, maybe your phone is bugged. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, they, well, it's just that it builds paranoia and tension. I don't yeah, feel like really I well. got the sense of yeah. paranoia no, enough. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, you can see that they're trying to convey it because he, like, has the whole, like, looking over his shoulder mm -hmm. moment. But I felt like this movie had a distinct lack of music for most of it. There's a bit of music, but there's, there's, it's a, very lot of, light there's a lack of it, right? And this yeah, maybe yeah. plays into my whole, like, expectations of what should happen in a movie sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a shallow way to look at the movie. But it felt like the, the tension and paranoia... Uh, that they were trying to convey wasn't ratcheted up enough for me, um, partly because there wasn't really the music. Um, and, like, the cinematography of those scenes... There's just, no, like, Jaws theme. Like. <laughs> right. It doesn't have to be that obvious, but, like, <laughs> there needs to be something there, and it was just kind of quiet. Yeah. No, I, I love that about it. And I, I and that there's, like, little noises, right? Like, when, when Redford I, I is, see that, is yeah. leaving the... Um, the parking garage and you have like the moments before that when the other car is driving away and there's like a horn at one point right it starts really startlingly too yeah the punch of the typewriter yes. is really loud yeah like, yeah yeah that sound mixing is like whoa Boom. like it, it yeah it hits yeah. you hard um and then you have this scene speaking of really loud noises in this movie where he's covering where he turns up the music really loud in hoffman's apartment and they communicate with each other on the typewriter and stuff like that like that to me, that was really uh, an effective yeah. uh, next step from Redford's earlier paranoia. Um, so yeah, you're right. That that is an important part of the Especially movie. Especially when like Nixon for sure could have killed them both and gotten away with it. Like for Probably. sure, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that that doesn't happen is actually like yeah. impressive. Right. <laughs> like they're lucky. Yeah. Like the, I mean, I mean that's something I've been wondering. Like. Yeah. The story of Nixon is a story of uh, like the popular conception of Nixon is that he he took a fall because of his hubris, right? Like, he recorded everything that he said, and, like, those tapes got out, and he could have nailed these guys, and he didn't, and yeah. he, he overplayed his hand because he just had such a such gross corruption throughout his career. Well, and he got in trouble for the reaction, right? Like, the initial yep. burglary would have gone away, right. but he tried to cover it up. And yeah. That's, that's yeah. like, exactly. his and downfall. If anything, like, current Republicans have learned from that. And... <laughs> They just, they and show Democrats, no shame. And Democrats. And Democrats yeah. But definitely Republicans. They're worse. Like, I yeah. think it's important that we recognize that they're worse. Um, <laughs> and they just don't have any shame, right? Like, Democrats are still ashamed when they do something bad. Look at Anthony Weiner, right? Like, he's, he feels bad when he does something. Not a uh, Bob yeah. Menendez over here in Jersey who okay. just got well, That's off. state level, right? Uh, Nobody at the state level has no, any shame. No, he's a senator. Oh, really? Okay, I'm thinking of something else then. He's what did he do? He... Uh, paid a dent or dentist down in Florida was paying for his trips to go see all all these women. Oh, on, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, but my point is that yeah. if anything, Nixon had too much shame, right? And what we see in politicians generally and the GOP especially is no shame. Right? They are shameless. Like they just lie and over and over again in obvious ways. They, they and excise the weakness. Right. In in a sense, yes. That's what's that's what's happened, and that is also horrifying. Giving Mr. Cuomo too much credit right now. <laughs> well, not Cuomo, but you, you, you look at like like Paul Ryan and McConnell and those guys, right? Like 
They just lie constantly. Ted Cruz. Constantly. Just lying. And with no shame. Sure. Damn. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay, good. I thought you might. Um, anyway, what are we, you're up for next week, Chris. What are we, what are we watching? Yeah. Um, I'd like to do the, uh, the 2006 movie, Inside Man. Oh, okay. It's a Denzel movie. That's, I haven't seen that in a while. Uh, kind of a quietly, I think it's really good, so. That sounds vaguely familiar to me. That's the heist movie, right? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Trying to think. Are you sure you haven't seen this movie, Charles? I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. I, okay. I'm not even sure if I've heard of it. Okay. Yeah. No. I, I. I have. I don't think it made like a huge splash when it came out. No. But no. Just that we're struggling. We're both kind of struggling to make sure that it's the movie that I'm thinking of, and I'm sure. pretty sure it is. But um. Yeah. I remember it being good. All right. So okay. Next week, uh, 2006, Inside Man. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Um, we'll see you next week.